Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. Good morning. A couple of announcements. Um, a reminder that Young Zen will meet this evening. And this week, the board will meet to continue the discussion of the purchase of the property here. And if you have thoughts about that, please let them know by Monday. You can easily email the board from the website under groups or message individual board members from their contact link under the people tab on the website. So in case you have something that you want to um, offer you know, about that um, process. Just still undergoing, uh, you know, evaluation and inquiry and everything. So, <clears throat> so today my heart is full. I'm not going to talk long because I want to allow plenty of time for you to share with each other and break out rooms. But I have to say something. I at least I imagine you. It's been quite a journey to come to this victory of wisdom and compassion over the forces of greed and hatred and ignorance. The stakes were so high. The damage has been so great. And while we may be dismayed at the power and scope of the three poisons among our fellow Americans, ultimately our strength and resilience were marshaled in the service of the larger good. Everyone who made phone calls talked to neighbors and friends, sent postcards and letters, contributed hard-earned hard money, gave talks, marched, counted votes, and informed themselves about the issue, aroused our collective attention and energy and commitment to a better future. But today I just want to explain why this moment is so important for our own practice of Zen and our own Sangha. Through Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's uh, campaign and ultimate victory, we saw embodied and enacted the precepts and paramitas that we teach and something of our bodhisattva vow. In the midst of great suffering and loss in the country and constant hatred directed toward them, they demonstrated dignity, self-control, integrity, and compassion. Biden's humility and great care for this nation were evident in his speech last night and his generous appreciation for those who had supported him and ensured his success. The diversity of faces on the stage with him, diversity of race, age, and gender was such a refreshing and endearing sign of a fresh start and a generous heart. He affirmed his commitment to science and to addressing the pandemic and climate change, two major and urgent challenges we face. Just as we collectively rose up to elect him, we must now turn that energy towards supporting the work ahead. The forces of greed, hatred, and delusion are still strong in our country, and there will always be good work for bodhisattvas. A good piece of that work has just been accomplished, and we should celebrate it, but we cannot go back to sleep now. We need to build on that accomplishment and continue to build together the future we want to inhabit. It appears no one is going to do that work for us. We must do it together. As I've said before, such work needs a moral compass if it is to transform us individually and collectively in the direction that is wholesome, conducive to well-being and happiness, approved by the wise, and leading to liberation for all beings and for our planet. 
This is the Buddha's cr criteria. The great strength of Buddha's teachings is that the moral compass they provide is not based on divisions of good and evil, sinners and saved, us and them. This is a key distinction from the traditional religious teachings that have formed a moral compass for society in the past. So this is something unique that we can offer the world. But the Buddha also did not teach moral relativism. He had great compassion for what he termed uninstructed worldlings. And he taught that there are evil acts that cause great suffering. He taught about right view, right speech, right action, because there are wrong views, wrong words, wrong actions that harm ourselves and others. We have seen this on a large scale. But still, this is a matter of confusion and conditioning, not inherent evil. When he was confronted by Mara, he did not fight or argue. He merely turned toward him and said, I see you, Mara. And for one established in this practice, you can have no purchase. On this basis, he saw, correctly I believe, that the primary challenge was one of offering and skillfully teaching the underlying principles of the Dharma, the lawful nature of our existence and our relationships, not the damnation of souls. Now we have an opportunity to support the well-being of life on earth through our own deep practice of the precepts and the paramitas and through the light of lives lived in this way, which serve as a beacon and a teaching for others. We have a chance to learn from our long national nightmare and to be transformed by it into instruments for, for the good of the good life, goodness life, our only chance. To be awake in our lives, to be engaged in practice wholeheartedly so that we can serve this moment of transformation is a great privilege. Many people alive right now will never have this opportunity because they will not encounter these teachings of the Dharma or because they will dismiss them or fail to take them seriously or to practice them. It is like the issue of wearing masks. We don't practice simply for our own benefit, but out of apamata, mindful, energetic care for others. Please know that you are an important agent of transformational change, even if you do not recognize it yet yourself. Just this practice of sitting in stillness and silence together begins to dissolve our hard edges, our painful conditioning, our past traumas, our fantasies about the future. It is a radical act. In that vast luminous spaciousness, we can breathe and be free. As free beings, we can bring ourselves into this present moment of our lives with our full attention and care. Our relationships become more truthful, kind, deep, and intimate. What lies ahead is infinite potential for awakened being for ourselves and our society. We don't want to miss it, so we train in awakening every moment. Isn't this what we are longing for? And together we continue to discover the power of our relationality, our connection with each other and with all being. I think that's a worthwhile effort, don't you? Okay, that's enough for me probably. I will, I will say I love this practice, the teachings of the Buddha and our Sangha even more deeply and profoundly in the light of what we have experienced over the past four years and the promise of the road ahead. I think it's time really to hear from you and to warmly connect with each other. Today is a day of celebration. So let's break out in groups of five. And I want to give you an opportunity to speak whatever is in your mind and heart right now. Please allow each person to speak uninterrupted for three minutes, then open up a general 
discussion and group for about 10 minutes. So that means we'll have breakout groups for about um, 30 minutes total by the time people get organized in these groups. So um, then we'll come back together for some uh, open reflections and questions and appreciation for what we've learned from each other. So that's, that's, let's um, get organized in, uh, in breakout groups. Groups of five. So welcome back, everyone. Anything anyone would like to share that either that they heard or that they are thinking about or reflecting about? Just so good to be with you in that way, you know, in that kind of intimate way, these small breakout sessions. <laughs> One thing, um, yeah. just how lovely. Oh, mm -hmm. um, it's so lovely to 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 have a group of people like this to be joyful with, um, especially in this time when we may not be, you know, seeing many people. It's just a delight. Yeah, it really is. I mean, the last election, I was all alone, and there was nothing oh. happening there. <laughs> Uh, it was really unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it was night, right? When we found out. Mm -hmm. Bad dreams. Bad dreams. Yeah, I'm so glad. Um, I'm so glad that we have this opportunity to be together. I just think it's great. Anything else? I think we, we were having a discussion about hey, hey, I'm sorry. Is no, no, go ahead. To talk? Go ahead. Yes, Carlos. We were, ha should I talk? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we were having a discussion in our group about how in so many ways this, um, what our country is going through can seem like a struggle between good and evil. And then we also recall the Shinshin Ming line that the struggle between good and evil is the primal disease of the mind. And I don't know that we quite reconciled those two ideas that like the feeling of how important it is in this election really to, you know, vote Trump out. That seems very real. So it's not even really a question so much and feel free to add to it. Mm -hmm. or anybody else, Nelda in the group, or Eric. That's why it's the primal disease of the mind, that struggle is the primal disease of the mind. <clears throat> it's not that there isn't, there aren't evil acts, the Buddha talked about that himself. But it's that our ongoing um, judgments about what's good, what's evil, are, are the, what contaminates our freedom. So, this is really challenging because we also teach discernment, you know, that there to um, that you can act in ways that are wholesome, conducive to health and well-being, would be approved by the wise, you know, lead to liberation, um, without creating the sense of good and evil. There's a sense of this is unwholesome, this causes harm, this is dangerous. 
Um, and an understanding of that is just discernment. So this is, uh, this is our challenge, I think, in holding the Buddha heart and mind, right? This sky-like mind, which is, um, uh, does not pass judgment, but recognizes harm. Yes. So it's very challenging. Yes, we see that this past administration has been quite harmful and destructive. We can certainly see that. Um, but when we start talking about good and evil, we're in another realm. We're actually in another faith tradition. We're not even in this faith tradition. Yeah, and it's, it's so prominent in our background for many of us that it doesn't seem like there's any alternative, right? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Well, would you say then in a simple way, I mean, we can say that this administration has caused harm and we can name some of those ways. Yes. If you can take a step and say, and that's evil at work, that's now we're into the primal disease of the mind territory. Now we're into the primal disease of the mind. But but to be able to see, oh, this is this was damaging, you know. Um, and on the other hand, to also be able to see that it galvanized people for the good. I mean, people became active who had never done a political thing in their lives, right? because they began to see we have to fight for the good. It doesn't just accidentally happen. So we have to fight for what's wholesome. We have to fight for what's wise, you know? We, um, we are challenged for four years because of this. What I, uh, what I see hard is, is um, dealing with the fake news and the irrational fears yeah. that are created. Like I have a very irrational feel of roaches a roach appears and I freeze and I know, but I, so that's, that's the thing. Irrational fears are just, Irrational. they are masterful. Trump is masterful. So skillful means, I don't know what a skillful means yeah. do to fight that. Yeah. Well, that's what we're discovering, isn't it? That's the great teaching for us in this moment. Something uh, that, Excuse me. Something that we talked about in our group was that um, there are groups just like this, just like us this morning that voted differently than we did. And they, they believe that they know about the good and they want the good. They wanna encourage the good and the wholesome. And they have bodhisattva qualities just like we do. I think it kind of behooves the person who's, who's working on a path towards enlightenment to point out and combat delusion and ignorance when they see it though, that it might not necessarily be that an individual human being is inherently delusional or inherently ignorant, but I, I think it is the responsibility and something I'm waking up to of, of the conscious uh, citizen, the conscious human being to, to be able to say like, no, this is ignorance. This is delusion. This is not, this does not rationally add up. It's not a matter of opinion. It's not a matter of you're good. I'm bad, whatever it is. It's just, we have to be able to talk about this. And one of the things that we have to do is be skillful about that so that we don't shut the other person down 
so that they stop listening, so that they just stop caring what we're saying. Um, so this is the skillful means part is, how do you touch that person in a way that opens a doorway, you know, um, for possibility and not, and doesn't um, simply condemn them? You can, um, you can certainly do that. I mean, you can certainly say, you're, you're completely wrong. This is not factual. Um, it has a bad track record of change. Um, doesn't actually have much effect. So the, the learning we're doing is, how do we understand what is, was the same in the Buddha's time? How do we understand what it is that reduces the forces of greed, hate, and delusion in someone who is so strongly um, you know, um, uh, imprinted, let's say. So, uh, so in a way, it, it reminds me of my sister talking about the studies they did about attachment in, um, in, um, in infants or in, and they started with studying with animals. So if a duck hatches out of an egg and sees a rubber boot, it thinks forever that the rubber boot is its mother. It's misimprinted. And it will just follow that boot wherever that boot goes. You know. So the, um, the issue is when people are deeply misimprinted, what is it that helps them um, get a, like a, let's say something more congruent with reality? Um, that's our work is to study how do we, you know, and it's through affiliation. Since these connections tend to be tribal, since people tend to be confirming each other in them, right? All of their family, all of their coworkers, all of their little community, you know, um, all share these beliefs. So they're very, very strongly imprinted, but they're also socially corroborated. So this is our question. How do we do it? You know? How do we serve as that kind of um, gateway, I would say, to the Dharma, so that there's a, a potential for a different way of being or a different way of seeing? That's our, that's our biggest, I think our biggest challenge. Not because we're proselytizing, but because we, we want the relief of suffering. And for me, it's always really important to remember I don't have all the information, just like, just like other people don't, that I have to be willing to be wrong and to change. Right. Yeah, and, 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 and more importantly, to change in the direction of wisdom and compassion um, because there's all kinds of change. Some of it is not too healthy. So this is what we recognize when people become, for example, radicalized on, uh, you know, on the internet um, in some fanatic belief system or something. Is, uh, there, are, there are changes that are definitely unhealthy. So we're Americans, so we think change is good. We think novelty is good. Not always so. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> That's I think, oh, sorry. I, I think, I think as Americans too, we tend to see we tend to conflate compassion with a lack of boundaries. Yeah. Like, like we tend to see love uh, as different than tough love. And I, like I, I read a book somewhat recently about um, like the son of the, the guy who started Stormfront, which is this hate, hate group online. And like how he went to college and eventually started to, to get away from his beliefs and how that happened. And it seemed to be like half, people who were willing to, to reach out to him and be friends with him despite their differences, but also half of people who were like enacting consequences as to what he was saying and believing. And I feel like it takes both. Oh, 
maybe it does. Yeah, maybe it does. Yeah. I, I don't think that we, um, as far as respect to evil or not evil, uh, or hate or not hate or bad or not, um, that if we see something, we're, we're all human. So we all have good and evil in us. We have it. It's just something we have. Well, we, and, I would say we have wholesome and unwholesome impulses. Yes. And and so, yeah. so what, what I was going with that is that if you see something and you identify it as the unwholesome, uh, it's something in you. It's tapped into something in you. We, we all possess some of that. There's no way around it. And so uh, I think that's an, another way to look at at how, how we reflect on others. I was just thinking if I was the sole Trump supporter in this group, I would not declare it. There's no way I would do it. Because it, we, have to, we have to realize that that's the kind of fear we've also put on them. They've put a fear on us, but we've put a fear on them. So um, it's like, um, it's, something to consider. I think it's another way that I find a way of I'm connected here. <laughs> We're all in this together. Thank you. How would we treat ourselves if, you know, if it was us, we were seeing that impulse in, you know, to kind of look away from the other person and see how, how would we approach that in ourselves? Mm -hmm. and then try to approach the other person as if it was yourself. I don't know, that thought came to me. Well, and how, how would we hope to be responded to? You know, so, so this is why um, this is so tribal because people get their sense of their own well-being from the people around them, from the reflections they get. Um, so, so the bonding happens through those reflections. And if people are consistent, getting consistent reflections of a certain kind, then they're extremely likely to be um, influenced in that way. So, yeah, Eric. Hey, go. I want to point. Hold on. Yes. Eric is muted. Oh, I am. Um, okay. Yeah. Now you're unmuted. I had a discussion with my. Uh my cousins um, and um, they, they were Trump supporters. And I, I, I just said, you know, why can you tell me why I'm trying to learn? They basically uh, are very uh, religious uh, Catholics and uh, they, it was solely on the abortion issue. Um, and, and they were happy that he was appointing all these judges and these kind of things. And so the infidelity didn't bother them and the adultery didn't bother them and the um... Well, I mean, I, I didn't bother them somehow. Yeah, I, I, what I don't understand. I mentioned ethics, and then they just said, "Well, all the other presidents, like Bill, look what Bill Clinton did, and JFK, and you know, and they 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 all do that. That's that was their answer to that question. But, but I, but I listen. I listened to them to understand uh -huh. why they felt the way they did, and. And I want to say, you know, I mean, I, I in, in recently reading the Lotus Sutra about the never disparaging Buddha, 
<laughs> I mean, he was, everybody just hated him and, you know, but he went around never disparaging. And, uh, you know, he eventually became, you know, a, a great Buddha. So, you know, I think that we just have to be careful about speech and do the best, you know, and just listen and, you know, open up our hearts to these people. Yeah. And Peg, I want to point out something that that I brought up in our group and that we know, but we forget. These vast differences didn't happen in four years. They have existed for decades. Um, it, it just happened that these four years made it okay to bring out the reality of our vast differences out loud. And so in some ways, I see that as a, a good fortune because they were there, they were just hidden or, you know, people didn't talk about them they were out loud. Yeah, they were revealed. Yeah. yeah, and that's a good thing. Now we have work to do. Absolutely. You wanna say something? Yeah. Put your hand up. Yeah. Bill. Uh, I think we had try to be realistic about what can happen. Uh, everybody has their favorite thing they want to have done immediately, and we can't do that. We have to pick them one or two at a time, and then we have to work on coming up with a solution that satisfies most people uh, and, and enlists the, the help of people on the other side who are willing to be, get, to be a part of that solution. And all of that is going to take months. Oh, yes, I think so. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have to be patient. That's our third paramita is patience and forbearance, right? We have to be patient. I, I wanted to second what Eric was talking about in terms of trying to understand, you know, listening and, um, I think uh, we can all do that. And it's, it's kind of an approach to um, the divide. And um, one of the governors was saying on, on TV the other last night um, that that's the thing in this new administration that will help to, without that, I'm not sure that, you know, that we're much further along. Right, right. Well, I see that happening already, yeah. But I think we should probably stop here and do service. We could do about this all day long, right? We could talk about this. Uh, and uh, I'm so grateful that we got a chance to come together today. It's just such a, a wonderful experience to be with you in the middle of all these changes. So, so we'll do service and, um, uh, and I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. <laughs>